You know what? Hey, really quick. Ricky, can you just stay out here for just a second? Let's turn those lights back down if we can for just a moment. And, um, man, I, I want to, you know, one of, one of my favorite things that happens in our church is, is when someone comes up to pray and other people in the church see that and they come and gather around them. And pray for them. That's what we ought to be doing, right? As people of God, as God's people, when, when one of us grieves, we all grieve. When one hurts, we all hurt. And, and I just want to, I want to give a few moments here. I don't want to just rush into the sermon. I want to give, give a few moments here uh, because I know in a crowd like this, um, man, the world is so broken. In our lives, we go through so many things that there are people here today uh, and you are broken. And you are hurting. And you are walking through some things. And, and it would, I, I just think it would be a shame uh, to just rush through with our own agenda and not acknowledge that, that there are people here that, that God would want us to, to love and to minister and to pray with. And, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask all of us uh, just to bow our heads and close our eyes in prayer. Would you just pray with me for just a moment while Ricky plays? God, I, 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 just, I know, God, I know there are many people. God, I know there are people in this room right now who are hurting. God, I know there are people in this room right now who are confused, who they themselves or their family, they, they are walking through a moment right now. They are, they are walking through a difficult season. And Father, I pray that we would just have a moment of honesty right here in the middle of this service today. God, if we can't be real and honest here, we can't be, we can't be honest anywhere. If we can't be honest in your presence when you're inviting us to, and if we can't be honest in the presence of other people who they themselves have went to Jesus for forgiveness, who they themselves have already admitted we don't have it all together, and we need you. God, if we can't be honest and real and pray for one another and lift up one another here, God, there's no place we can do that. And so, God, this is the place to do that, in church, right here as your people gather. And, and so, God, I pray that you would just give us a moment um, where we can serve and love one another and just lifting each other up. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, you know, sometimes we've done this in services where, um, where we just have people that, that are walking through a difficult season uh, just say, I'm going through something and I would love to be, I would love someone to pray for me today. And no one is, no one is looking around. This is not an attempt to embarrass anybody or anything like that. Um, but if you are here today, you don't have to tell anyone what you're going through. But if you are walking through a difficult season, uh, perhaps you're discouraged. Maybe there's something going on in your family. Uh, maybe something happening at work, at school. I don't know what you might be going through today, but if you are here today in any way, shape, or form, whether you've been here for six years or you've been here today for your first time, if you're here today and you'd say, there is something that I'm going through right now and I would love for somebody to pray with me, I would love for you just to stand up right now. Just stand up right there where you're at. Just stand up. Say, I'm going through something. I want somebody to pray for me right now. Just stand up. Everybody, that, if that's you, stand up. People are standing up all over. If that's you, stand up. If your whole family needs to stand up, stand up. Go ahead and stand up. I, man, I want somebody to pray for me. I need prayer right now in this place today. Just stand. Just go ahead and stand. People all over are standing. Now, here's, here's, what, I, here's what I want us to do. I, no one, just continue to stand. I want our church, if, I want our church to look around right now. And I want you to see people who are standing. And even if you know them or not, I want you to go to them right now and lay hands on them and just begin to pray for them right now. Get up and go right now. I want our church to get up and go to somebody. It doesn't matter whether you, whether you know them or not. God knows their name and God knows their story. They're just standing up asking for prayer. I want everybody to move if you would. If you're here for the first time, you're thinking, wow, this is different. Uh, well, you can just stay where you're at. But if you're standing, if somebody's standing, I don't want them standing without a hand on them. Go to them right now and pray for them. Go to them right now and pray for them. Whether it's in the back, in the back, in the front, there's people in the main back. Let's get some people go to the main back. Just get up out of your seat, walk all the way to the main back of the auditorium, lay hands on those people and pray for them. Get up, somebody right now and go. Somebody right now and go. I'm talking to you right now. Get up and do it. Turn around, go to them right now. Look around, see if there's anybody standing in your section. Go pray for them right now. Go lay hands on them and pray for them. Just begin to pray for them. Just begin to encourage them, lift them up. We're praying for them. And you who are seated, you can just have this time just to go to God, just like Morgan said, just to go to God and, and ask God to speak to your heart, to clear your heart. Maybe you didn't stand, but you know there's a situation in your life. You would just love to see God move in. Go to God with that right now. But I just want us to pray for one another this morning.
Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and God, I thank you that you are the one who knows every need that's represented by people who stood up a moment ago. It's a family suffering deep loss. It's a family walking through something, maybe at work or their their job. It's a family just discouraged. It's a family that's praying for another loved one to be saved. Got somebody walking through a situation, and they and they don't know how they're going to get out of it. They don't know what's going to happen. Father, I pray for every single person that stood a moment ago and asking for prayer. God, I pray that you would give them strength. Father, I pray, I, I pray, God, your word, your promise. I thank you that your word tells us that you are a very present help in times of trouble. You are a present help for these people. And God, that might be a fact in their head, but I pray that it would move from their head into their heart, that Jesus, they would just experience the presence of God. They would experience the strength and power of the Holy Spirit at work in their life. God, for the people who stood with a situation in that situation, they're just praying that it turns around. I pray that you would intervene in that situation. Somebody stood up with maybe a financial need or a health need. Somebody asked, praying for, for a loved one to be healed. Father, I pray that they would be healed. I pray that you would provide for that need. God, I pray for people who are here today suffering loss suffering hurt. God, I pray that you would be that that friend that sticks closer than a brother, exactly like you said in your word, Jesus. I pray that you would be that friend for them right now. Father, I pray for every single person that's in this room, whether they stood or not, God, and they're just looking at an area of their life, and and they would love for you to move. They would love to see you act. They would love to, to see you provide or just make a way. God, would you make a way? God, would you do what only you can do? And Father, I pray that you would be glorified in the response, that you would be glorified in the provision. I pray, God, for every single person that stood, those that did not stand, but God, are walking through a difficult season, that their faith would stand, that their faith would not be, be defeated, that, God, they would not be, be, be defeated by the schemes of the enemy, but, Jesus, that they would stand. And, God, I thank you that when your people come and cry out, you hear. Jesus, I thank you that you said where two or more are gathered in, gathered in your presence, there you are in the midst of them, and we just believe that you are here right now. And Father, I pray over these needs and these people and these families. God, move and have your way, and we will give you all glory and all honor and praise. And we ask all this in the strong and powerful name of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And everyone said in his name, amen, amen, amen. Thank you, guys. God bless you. All right, so, uh, hey, uh, if today's your very first time here, while we're getting some stuff uh, situated here, today's your very first time. My name's Mark. I'm the lead pastor here at Summit, man. We're excited to have you here. If you are here by chance for the very first time, uh, or if you're here uh, for the second time, you're a returning guest, we've got a free gift for everybody that's new today, and you can pick that up at our welcome table. That's uh, right out there. Hey, there we go. It's right out there in the lobby. You can go after church and pick up our, we got a free gift for every first, second time guest out there. We'd love to give that to you here today. And uh, also at the end of service, um, at the end of service, I'll be at the welcome table. If I've never met you, I see, I see several new faces here. If I've never met you before, shook your hand and you said, hey, it's awesome that you and your family are here. Um, or if I can pray with you about anything, I'll be at the welcome table out front after church today. And I would love just to take some time, meet you pray with you, and uh, just try to serve you any way that we possibly can, all right? Hey, if you got a Bible, I want you to go ahead and open it up to Matthew 24. That's where we've been for the past few weeks. We've been in Matthew 24. We are wrapping up a series today that we started several weeks ago about the end times, and so, uh, so we are wrapping that up today. We're in Matthew 24. The reason that we've been in Matthew 24 is because Jesus talks about the end times, the end of the world. What, what's it going to be like before he comes back? He talks about that at length the most in Matthew 24 and on into 25. We'll, we'll kind of set up 25 and we'll explain what happens there. It's actually pretty easy to figure out what's going on in 25. So we're going to stop with Matthew 24 and wrap up our series of everything that Jesus has said will happen 
before he comes back. And so if you go back and you can, if you've got the Summit app downloaded on your phone, if you've got that app, by the way, you can always take notes along with the sermon. You can open that up right now and follow along. You can listen to past sermons there. But the very first thing Jesus said about the end of the world or what's it going to be like before he returns, he says, listen, there's going to be wars and rumors of war, famine, pestilence, plague. But he says to God's people, do not be afraid. Remember that? So the very first thing Jesus says in Matthew 24 is in the middle of all of that, do not be afraid. And then he turns around and the next thing that we saw in week two was Jesus says, you will be persecuted. So they're going to they're gonna persecute us for our faith in Jesus. People, it's not always going to go easy for the people of God in any and every situation. Do you know that's true? Not always going to be in a cakewalk to walk with Jesus is what he says. You will be persecuted. Last week we saw him say, hey, listen, you're going to be deceived. You, you could be deceived. In the last days, there's going to be a lot of spiritual deception. We even saw it last week. You can read it for yourself in Matthew 24. Do you remember when Jesus says, in the last days, there's going to rise up false Christ, false prophets. And Jesus even said this, some of them are going to be able to perform signs and wonders. So Jesus says, I want you to know me. I want you to walk with me so that you won't be deceived because a lot of people in the last days are going to be deceived. God doesn't want his people to be deceived. And so the last thing that God says to us about the end of the world, after don't be afraid, you will be persecuted. Don't be deceived. The final thing that Jesus really wants to drive home as he's wrapping up this message is Jesus simply wants us to be ready. Jesus wants us to be ready for the end times. Jesus wants us to be ready for when he comes back. Now, I don't know how your house is, how your family operates. Maybe your family's a lot like my family. But when we know that somebody is coming over, we get ready. Does anybody else get ready for you? For you have guests over, for you have people come over. You've got to make some preparations, do you not? You, you've got to get ready if you know people are going to come over. You've got to have something. You're probably going to have something to eat. What are you going to eat? You've got to make preparations to eat, don't you? If they're going to come over for dinner. It, depending on who's coming over, about to clean your house, right? Or depending on who is coming over, you can just shove everything into a room, shut the door, and then say no entering. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we're just going to clean. We're going to clean the areas that we only think they'll walk in. That's what we're going to do. All right. But but we make preparations, don't we? Well, Jesus wants us to be ready. He says, listen, I want you to make preparations. I want you to be ready. And it's the way that Jesus says. That he wants us to be ready that we're going to focus on today. So if you've got a Bible on your phone or you've got an actual copy of the Word of God, I want you to go ahead and open it up. We're going to read Matthew 24, verses 36 through 51. Words are going to be on the screen, so if you don't have a Bible, you can follow along with me. And I always say from time to time, like to, uh, if there is somebody here, you don't have a Bible at home or the Bible you have, you can't understand it. We have free Bibles in the back of the auditorium right there and all of the tables out there in the lobby. You don't have to ask for them. You see one laying around, uh, just grab it. Unless it's somebody else's Bible. Don't steal somebody else's Bible, all right? But free Bibles are all over, man. We want you to take one. That's our gift from us to you. All right, Matthew 24, verses 36 through 51. This is Jesus wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount of Olives. And he says this, but... Concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed 
and begins to beat his fellow servants, eats and drinks with the drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so Jesus wraps up this Sermon on the Mount, and I think we got to spend some time based off some things that have uh, happened here in just the past couple of weeks uh, that caught a lot of people's attention. I think we got to look at verse 36 before we really dive into the meat of what Jesus is saying. Can we read verse 36 one more time? Such a big verse that we've got to know, we've got to believe. Concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. What's Jesus mean? Jesus means this. Nobody knows when he's coming back. Right? Nobody knows when Jesus is coming back. Now, we read that verse, and a great question from that verse is, wait a minute, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus doesn't know when Jesus is coming back? That don't make no sense. Well, here's the thing. Here's why Jesus says, no one knows, only the Father, not even the Son. See, see, when Jesus came to earth 2,000 years ago, and we're about to celebrate that, the incarnation, we celebrate it at Christmas. Jesus is fully God, 100% God, and he's also fully man. As God, God is everywhere at all times. He's omnipresent. God is omniscient, meaning he knows all things. God knows all things. He's in all places. But see, Jesus was 100% God, so yes, he was those things, but he was also... 100% man. And so, so Jesus was not everywhere at all times. When he was in Jerusalem, he was in Jerusalem. Or when he was in Bethlehem, that's where he was. Jesus wasn't in Jerusalem and Galilee at the same time. And when Jesus says, listen, I don't even know when I'm coming back. What Jesus is doing in that moment, Jesus is choosing not to tap into his divinity. He is leaning into his humanity because he wants to stress the point, no one knows when Jesus is coming back except the Father. Okay, does Jesus know now? Yeah, Jesus knows now. Jesus knows right now when he's coming back, but Jesus wants us to know, listen, we've got to get this. Let's be real clear. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Let's be as clear as we possibly can. No one knows when Jesus is coming back, so don't try to figure it out and don't listen to, any, to anybody who says they have, Right? Don't listen to anybody that says they figured out when Jesus is coming back. I don't care how impressive their YouTube videos are. I don't care how cool their charts are. Did you know that from the moment Jesus ascended into heaven, I mean literally from the very moment Jesus ascended into heaven, people thought he was coming back in five minutes? Like literally, Jesus ascended into heaven. Give him five minutes, he'll be back. Right? They thought, I mean, literally, the early apostles, the first Christians, it's, 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 in, it's in Christian history, it's recorded. They thought he would come back in their lifetime. Since Jesus ascended and went back to heaven, there have been thousands of people who've tried to predict the return of Jesus. And how many of them have been right? Some of you are looking, I don't know how many have been right. They've all been wrong. We're still here. Right? It's not a trick question. They've all been wrong. One of the most popular, one of the most popular times that somebody tried to predict the return of Jesus, 1988. This guy, this guy, 1988, predicted, predicted, had all kinds of reasons why Jesus was going to come back in 1988. He even had a book published. A publishing company, an actual publishing company, picked up this book, and the title of the book, you can go to Amazon, find it right now. It's not selling as much. I can't figure out why, because the title of the book was. In the end times, your microphones won't work. That's in, Matthew, uh, that's in Matthew 32. There is no Matthew 32. Don't try to find that. That was a joke. Right? But back to the sermon that was uh, rudely interrupted. In 1988, you can find a book on Amazon, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. Did Jesus come back in 1988? Some of you are still trying to figure out whether... No. No. no he did not come back in 1988. Last month, remember when Jesus was supposed to come back? What was it? Like September 23rd? Something like that? A Christian numerologist, which means nerd, said, oh, Jesus is coming back. Oh, Jesus is coming back on September 23rd. Did he? No, Jesus did not come back. There are already people who are predicting Jesus is coming back in 2019. There are already people, and this is what you need to, if you're going to predict when Jesus is going to come back, at least predict when you can guarantee you're going to be dead and gone so nobody thinks you're a goober, all right? 
There's somebody's already predicted. They did, it, they did it a while ago. Jesus coming back, 2057. There's a prediction out there. You can find it right now. He's coming back in 2057. Listen, anytime anybody predicts that Jesus is coming back, they will be wrong. Nobody knows, right? But here's what happens. Every single time a Christian predicts that Jesus is coming back, the world looks at that and says, Christians, every one of us, think that Jesus is coming back. When he doesn't come back, the world looks at that and says, you guys are cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. You check your brain at the door. That's why I'll never follow Jesus. That's why I'll never be a Christian. Christians are not intellectuals. Christians do not think. They're gullible. They believe anything. You will believe anybody that comes out of the woodworks and says, Jesus is coming back. That's what the world does. And then what happens with the world is they hear us talk about how Jesus is coming and they don't believe it. That's why Jesus says, listen, just before the coming of the Son of Man, verse 37, it's going to be just as it was in the days of Noah. What was it like in the days of Noah? Well, Jesus says it in those days there was, before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. Listen, people were living their lives up until the moment Noah got into the ark. You know the story of Noah and the ark, don't you? Right? Just in case you don't, just in case you're kind of new here to the Bible or new to church, uh, God comes to a man named Noah and God says, listen, because of sin in the world, Noah, I'm going to judge sin by sending a flood. It's going to destroy everything. I'm going to start over with you and your family. Listen, the story of Noah and the ark, it's one of the most dark, it's one of the darkest stories in the entire Bible, isn't it? Right? For the life of me, I can't figure out why every single time there's a church nursery somewhere, we paint a picture of Noah and the ark and everybody on the boat is smiling. I was, at a church, I was at a church a long time ago, and this guy, they, they, they had a picture of Noah and the ark right there in the church. And he looked at me and said, yeah, we're not done with it. And I said, what, what's left to do? Paint people in the water yelling for help? Right? They all drowned. Right? But listen, up until that moment when Noah and, and, and his family and all those animals got onto the boat, do you know what they were doing? They were living their lives. They were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. They were going to work. They were going home. They were raising kids. They were doing their deal. And here's a man named Noah in the middle of all of it. And Noah is telling his family and he's telling his friends and he's telling his neighbors, guys, a flood's coming. And it had never rained. And they thought Noah was insane. They said, rain, whatever, flood, whatever, until a drop of rain fell. And then another one and another one and another one. And then millions of drops of rain fell and a flood came. And Noah's prediction was true. But here's the thing. Nobody listened to Noah. Everybody thought Noah was crazy. Listen, listen, that's really good news. I just want to encourage you to hear, if you're here today, and every time you invite your friends to church, every time you try to tell people what Jesus has done in your life, they look at you and they roll their eyes. They look at you and they think that you're crazy. Don't personalize that and think that you've done something wrong. You've actually done something right, probably, because Jesus himself said, we see it in this series, that not all people will like us because we're following Jesus. Hello? Amen? Right? Everybody's not going to like us because we're following Jesus. Don't be worried if people have rejected you for following Jesus. Instead, what should worry us? If you are a follower of Jesus and you just blend in to every single crowd and every circumstance, no matter what they're doing, saying, thinking, or talk about, you just blend in and you don't stand out at all. Listen, if that's you, you need to be worried because the people of God will stand out. And Jesus says, listen, before I come, it's going to be just like it was in the days of Noah. When God interrupted their lives with a flood. Listen, the morning that Jesus comes back, somebody's going to work. Somebody's going to school. Somebody's planning their wedding. Somebody's planning a vacation. Somebody leaves for a vacation. Somebody's son or daughter, their firstborn son or daughter is born and they're celebrating that. The day that Jesus comes back, there's somebody that's in a doctor's office and they just got the diagnosis that they hope they would never hear over their life. And in a split second, Jesus Christ is going to split the sky and interrupt all of it. Jesus is going to split the sky and interrupt all of our lives. And listen, before Jesus comes back, he's not going to come to you and me and he's not going to say, hey, listen, is now a good time? Does this work for you? Jesus is not going to sync up calendars with us, y'all. Did you know that? If, I, if we're still alive before Jesus comes back, then listen, Jesus is going to interrupt our agenda. Jesus is going to interrupt our plans. We need to understand that our agenda is not the agenda. 
Because God is going to interrupt, Jesus is going to interrupt all of our lives when he comes back. And he comes back in a moment. And listen, in the moment Jesus comes back, it's the most beautiful, glorious moment for the people of God. Because in that moment, there is no more death, dying, pain, or sickness. And we will be with him forever. In that, in that moment. And that, listen, listen to me. I am telling you that if Jesus Christ split the sky right now, that thing that you have been worried to death over all this week, you would not worry about it anymore. I'm telling you that if Jesus Christ returned right here while we're in the forum, all of the things in our lives that we've been pursuing other than him in a nanosecond, they will melt away and we will discover that we were made for him. And he's going to interrupt our lives, church. It's going to be the most beautiful, glorious moment for the people of God. But listen to me, for every single person that rejects him. Look at verse 30. It's, on, it's, it's not on the screen. It's in your copy of the, of the word of God. Verse 30, Jesus says this, Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will what? They will mourn when they see him. Because in that moment, it'll be a beautiful, glorious moment for all of the people of God, for Jesus' followers. But when Jesus comes back and those people who have rejected him, it will be the worst moment. They will mourn. They will know it's too late. I mean, Jesus is going to come back so fast that there will be two guys at work. One's taken and one's left. Jesus is going to come back so fast, so without warning, that two women are at work and one's taken and one's left. And they're taken. You can call it the rapture. You can call it the judgment. All I'm saying is that Jesus is coming back unannounced and he will interrupt all of the plans of the world. And it will be beautiful for the people of God and horrible for everybody that rejected him. And here's what Jesus does. Jesus paints this picture. Guys, listen, people are just going to be living their lives, going to work, clocking in and out, and I'm going to come, and they don't know that I'm going to come. And Jesus paints that picture so that in verse 42, he says, therefore, therefore, that word therefore is a linking word because of what I just said. I'm about to say something to you that I need you to grab. Therefore, everybody say these two words with me in verse 42. Stay what? Stay awake. Stay awake. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Jesus says, stay awake. Jesus, how can we be ready for the end times? How can we be ready for when you come back? Two words, stay awake. I don't know what it's like for you to fall asleep. But for me... For me, as soon as, I, as soon as I lay down anywhere, as soon as I lay down anywhere, there's something inside of me that says, oh, bro, is it that time? And boom, I'm gone. Like gone. I can go to sleep mid-sentence. My wife can verify this. Mid-sentence. There's been so many times. I mean, every single week, I just wake up and say, did I go to sleep? What happened? Right? Just mid-sentence talking to Elena. <laughs> what? And then eight hours later, what's up, babe? What's up? Right? Just, just out. Jesus is not talking about that when he says stay awake. Jesus is not saying, hey, listen, I want the church to begin sleep deprivation because I'm going to fail. No, he's not talking about physical sleep. Listen to me, listen, listen, listen. When Jesus says stay awake, he's talking about spiritual sleep. Did you know that you can live asleep? Did you know that? That's what Jesus is talking about. Do not live asleep, Summit. Did you know you could live asleep? How can you live asleep? What does that mean? To live asleep means that every single thing you live for is in this life right here. Me means that we live in such a way like this is all that there is, that there's no eternal life, that there's no glory of God to pursue, that there's nothing greater than our wants and needs and desires. We're living for the weekend. We're living for vacation, and we're living for all of these other things, and there might be nothing wrong with those things, but a lot of times it's easy to live asleep and forget that at any moment Jesus is coming back, to live with no urgency, to live with nothing on the line, to live, and we're not hungry for God or for God to break into our lives. We're just running and going and going through the motions, and we live asleep. I don't know if you know this, but the Bible talks a lot about sleep. Did you know that? You know the story? Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. So not before he's going to be crucified. And Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he takes with him three of the disciples, Peter, James, and John. And Jesus says this. Hey, listen, can you guys watch with me for one hour? 
When Jesus says, watch with me, he doesn't mean, hey, man, can you hang out? Hey, man, let's hang out in this garden. Let's hang out in the woods. I'm going to go over here and pray. You guys just hang out. No, can you watch with me literally means, guys, can you pray with me? Can you pray for me? The disciples had no idea that while they were in the Garden of Gethsemane, Judas had already gathered up a group of soldiers to come and arrest Jesus and to set into motion all of the events that would lead to the crucifixion and resurrection. They had no idea. They just thought it was a trip to the park with Jesus. So Jesus is praying, and you tell me, what do Peter, James, and John do? They fall asleep. And it has always amazed me, it has always amazed me that when Jesus goes to Peter, James, and John and sees them asleep, he doesn't look at them and say, wake up. Jesus doesn't look at Peter, James, and John and says, hey guys, hope you had a good nap. It's time to wake up. It's time to get up. We got things we got to go do today. It's time to wake up. No, Jesus says this, could you not watch with me for one hour? And then he says this, the spirit is willing, but what? But the flesh is weak. In other words, those guys, the reason they went to sleep is because they had no idea what was on the line. They had no idea that Judas was coming with soldiers to arrest Jesus. They just thought it was going to be a nice quick trip with Jesus and they were going to take a power nap. And Jesus says, listen, the spirit is willing. The spirit knows what's going to happen here. But your flesh, my flesh, it's weak. And Jesus says, guys, listen, you got to watch with me. We need to pray. We need to seek God because something is coming. Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4 says, wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So over and over in the Word of God, there's this call for you and I to live awake, for you and I to not fall asleep at the wheel spiritually. So I just want to ask you a question. This is a question we'll tackle the rest of the morning for a few moments we got left together. I want to ask you this one question. Where does God need to wake you up right now? Think about that, man. Is there any place in your life where you've fallen asleep? Is there, is, there anything, is there any place in your life where you forgot there's a God who can split the sky in two and you won't work there anymore and you won't be, you won't, you won't be raising those kids anymore. You will be in the presence of God and you will be in the presence of his angels and you will worship him and you will be with him forever. Have you forgotten that there is a God who doesn't match up your agenda? His agenda is the agenda and at any moment Jesus Christ could come back. Have you forgotten Man, where do you need God to wake you up? I think there's two things that Jesus shows us. Jesus points out two places, at least, where we need God to wake us up. I think the first thing that Jesus says, we need God to wake us up to some things we need to do. We need God to wake us up to some things that you and I, we need to do. Verse 43, know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed away, would not have let his house be broken into. I mean, if you know somebody's going to come break into your house tomorrow night at 2.30, what are you going to do? Go to sleep? No, you're going to make preparations, aren't you? You're going to get ready. You know what this reminded me of when I was putting this sermon together? Reminded me of one of the greatest movies ever made, Home Alone. How many of you have seen Home Alone? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. It's the people who do not have their hand up that we need to pray for. Those are the people who are hurting, right? Home Alone, it's one of the best movies ever made. And there was a whole series of movies made, Home Alone. This kid's parents just kept leaving him. Horrible parents. Right, like three movies. The other two, pitiful. First one, classic. It's awesome, right? Little boy named Kevin, Home Alone. This family is out living living the dream. They leave him alone in this mansion of a house. And Kevin's doing things he's never got to do before, shaving it's awesome. And, but he hears about these two, two thieves who've been breaking into houses in his neighborhood. They're called the wet bandits, right? And he hears about the time they're going to come and break into his house. They've been scoping out Kevin's house for, for months. And so Kevin hears when the wet bandits are coming, the day, the time, they're coming. So Kevin runs home and makes preparations. Don't you love this? I mean, it's a great Christian movie. It's, you should watch it. With, it's, a, it's a phenomenal prayer. It's just you'll, you'll worship the Lord while you're watching it. And so he goes home. I love it, man. He sets up, that, he sets up the string. Guy pulls it, turns the lights on, iron, falls down the laundry chute, pat, pops him in the head. I love that. I love that. My favorite one, though, is the same guy. He puts the tar on the steps. Remember that? Puts the tar on the steps, and then as he's walking up, takes his shoes off, takes his socks off, and then he has that nail sticking up out of the tar, and the tar goes right, nail goes right in his foot, and he oh, falls down. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's so amazing. Such a worshipful experience. Right? 
But here's the deal. He made preparations. He says, listen, there's people going to break into my house. There's some things we've got to do. Let me ask you a question. What do you got to do before Jesus comes back? I had somebody ask me this one time, and man, I've never forgotten this question. If you knew Jesus was coming back in two hours, how would you live differently? If the answer is I wouldn't do anything differently, you are asleep right now. If that doesn't bring any urgency into your life, you're asleep. If that doesn't quicken anything in your spirit, man, when you hear he is coming back in two hours, if you hear that and say, eh, I don't care, you are asleep and you need the spirit of God to wake you up to his reality right now. What do you got to do before he comes? And listen, I hesitate to even ask this question. I hesitate to even ask this point because when a lot of people talk about the end times and Jesus coming back, what they say is, and there's Christians, Christians who talk this way. They say, listen, if Jesus comes back, man, I got to get my life right. I'm a Christian, but listen, I, I got to get my life right. I got to make sure that everything's good with me and the man upstairs. And listen, maybe that's you. And the reason you say that is because you really struggle with assurance of whether or not you are a child of God. Is that anybody? You struggle with whether or not you're actually saved. You struggle with assurance. Am I a child of God? Do I really know him? Do I belong to him? And listen, if that's you, man, and you struggle with assurance today, then what you need to do before Jesus comes back is you need to get into the word of God and discover who God says you are in Christ and discover that Jesus did not pay 90% and you got to work off the other 10 before he comes. Brother, Jesus paid it all and all to him we owe. And so if you are in him, you are free saved, forgiven, and you don't add to that. So we're not working this off. But listen, if you struggle with assurance, what do you need to do before he comes? You need to figure out and discover who you are in Christ because it is not God's will for any of his children to live their Christian lives wondering whether or not they are in the family of God. God wants you to know that you belong to him. Amen? He wants you to know it. Maybe the thing you got to do is you got to go to somebody and ask them to forgive you. Maybe the thing you've got to do is you've got to ask for forgiveness from somebody that you've hurt. Maybe you're a parent and God is just moving in your heart this morning. Maybe he's been dealing with you about the fact that all of your goals for your kids are about success in this life. And God is waking you up to the fact that you need to have goals and prayers and dreams. Not just that they would be successful in this world, but that they would be men and women of God. Maybe the thing you've got to do is you've got to stop messing around with sin in your life. You need to purify yourself and, and walk, walk in a holy manner. Listen, don't be afraid of that word holiness. A lot of times the word holiness gets a bad rap because we think that that's for like church people who think they're better than everybody else. No, no, no. Listen, 1 Peter chapter 1, God calls us, be holy for I am holy. So maybe you need to ask God to forgive you for sin in your life. But what do you need to do before he comes? Not only that, I'll give you one more, and then we'll wrap it up with some time of response. Maybe we need God to wake us up to, the, to some things that we've been given. We need God to wake us up to some things we got to do, but we also need God to wake us up to some things that we've been given, to some responsibility that God has put into our hands. So Jesus asks this question in verse 45. He says, who then is the faithful and wise servant? whom his master has set over his household to give him their food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. And the point, of that, the point of that story is this. Jesus says, listen, imagine a master, imagine an owner of a business that's going to go away on a business trip for some reason, and before he goes, he gives everybody that works for him responsibilities, things to do. He puts things in their hands that he wants them to be faithful with, and then that master goes away. And then imagine some of those workers, they hear that, they hear that the master is giving them things to do and he's going to come back. He didn't tell them when he's going to come back, but he's going to come back at an unannounced time. And so some of those employees say, listen guys, we got to keep the business running. We got to be faithful with what he's put in our hands. He's given us things to do, but then there are others who say, well, he just left. He probably, he probably won't be coming back soon. He's probably not going to come back for a couple of months. I mean, I mean, I mean, he works hard here. He probably needs some time off. I'm sure. Listen, we know he's going to come back, and we'll get serious later on. But listen, let's just relax, eat, drink, be merry, because he's not coming back now. And then all of a sudden, the door swings open, and the master of the house walks in. And the question is, who was faithful with what I gave you? Who maintained and who was faithful with the responsibility that I gave to you? 
a couple years ago at the church we were at before we moved back here to start Summit, we had a youth pastor and this youth pastor and his family. He comes into my office on a Wednesday and he says, he says, Mark, next week me and my family, we're going out of town. Can you take care of my cat while I'm gone? And I say, sure. I was in the middle of writing a sermon. I was in the middle of work and doing something. He says, hey, while we're gone next week, can you take care of my cat? I say, sure, man. I'd love to watch your cat. It'd be awesome. It'd be an amazing experience for me and your cat together. And I would love to help you with your cat. And so he leaves, doesn't say anything about it the rest of the week, doesn't say anything about it on the weekend. He goes out of town. The following Saturday morning, I wake up and realize there was a cat that I should have been feeding the entire week. I forgot about that. Man, I woke up and listen, there was some urgency that morning in my house. I was freaking out. Lena and the kids were in the kitchen. I ran out the door. I don't even know if I had clothes on when I walked out the door. I really don't know. Elena said, something going on? I can't talk about it. I'm thinking about this cat that's dead. He lives down the street from me. I'm driving down the, I'm driving down the street of my house at least 1,000 miles an hour. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, what do you do with a dead cat? And I know that I've seen enough movies that you can spray paint a cat and get away with it. All right? I, listen, I'm not above it. All right? I walked into that house. I didn't know this cat's name. I walked, this is a true story. I walked into his house. I didn't even know the cat's name. All I yelled was, cat! And I know that they kept him in the laundry room. So I go into the laundry room, and this cat, this cat knew that, that I, he must have known, listen, whoever's in charge, he ain't coming. He had jumped up, pulled his entire bag of food down, tore it open. There was cat food everywhere. I promise this is true. Cat food everywhere on the floor. And that cat was still alive. And man, I just worshiped Jesus with everything I had that I didn't need to pray for a resurrection. Man, I was so fired up that morning, man. That cat was like, he came back the following day. And listen, he, I still to this day have never told him. He might listen to the podcast or watch this video. What's up, dude? Your cat's alive. And um, so just be thankful. But I, I never told him. He came back into my office the following, the very next Monday. Hey, how was my cat? I looked him right in the eye. I said, bro, your cat was great. Well behaved. I loved it. Great. Cat's perfect. <laughs> I was not faithful with the responsibility that I'd been given. Man, I don't know if you realize this or not. Did you know that Jesus Christ has put something in your hands to use? Did you know that Jesus Christ has given you responsibilities? And listen, can I tell you, listen to me, church. God did not ask us to take care of his cat. God has invited us to be a part of the best mission, the most sacred mission in the world, telling men and women how to go from being lost to being found, death to life, and how to have a relationship with God. And so God has invited us into that mission. Can I just say, after being a pastor and working in ministry for years, for, 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 for oh, well, at least two decades of working with God's people and working in churches, so many times people, there's something missing in my walk with God. My walk with God's stale. I'm reading the Bible. I'm coming to church. Mark, I just feel like there's something missing. Here's my question today. If you feel like something's missing missing from your walk with God, when's the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? Maybe the thing that's missing from your walk with God is the mission of God. Amen? Maybe the thing that's missing is you're not using your spiritual gifts. Did you know that God has given every single follower of Jesus spiritual gifts that he wants us to use? Are you using those? Teenagers, are you using those? I hope you don't always oh, talking to adults now. No, no, no. If you're, if you listen, if you are saved, it doesn't matter how young or old you are. The Spirit of God is in you, and He's given you gifts. Are you using those gifts, man? Isn't it awesome? Hunter was able to come up here and just step up and play the drums this morning, right there. He is. Isn't that awesome? He came this morning. He didn't even know he was going to do that, but God just put him in that position. I hope that there's no student in here that thinks, oh, well, when I'm older, God can use me. That is a lie from hell. God can use you now, right? Don't buy that, man. Don't buy that. Or there are some of you who are God's people. Oh, well, you know what? I don't know the Bible well enough for God to use me. Oh, you know what? I need to go to some more Bible studies. I need to go to some more classes. Listen, I'm a preacher. I am all Bible. I love Bible. I love the Bible studies. I love. I went to Bible college, seminary, and more, and all of it. I thank God for every single bit of it. But can I tell you that as you sit in that seat, a follower of Jesus, right now, right now as you're listening to me, you have every single thing you need to do everything God is calling you to do because the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is in you right now. 
And man, I am telling you that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is not in you so that you can come and sit and watch other people use their gifts. He wants to use you in your gifting to make a difference. And listen, using your gifts, yeah, that'll mean you'll serve here in church somewhere, but I'm not just talking about within the capacity of this church. I'm talking about using your gifts out there in the world. Amen? Where lost people are. Not only has God given you gifts, but God's given all of us opportunities. Did you know that your job is a mission field? You might want out of that job and maybe, maybe you're, you're going to look for another career. And listen, there's nothing wrong with that. But can I tell you, while you're there, that's a mission field. God's given you that opportunity in, in that school, in that restaurant, in that place where you work. In the, maybe you are in an in-between season. But listen, that in-between season, man, you are on mission from God in that in-between season. And if you'll be faithful in the in-between, God will take you to the other side. But God wants you to be faithful where you're at. That's an opportunity from the Lord. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we've been saved by grace for good works. All God is looking for is for people who will be available. What does it look like to be available? It simply means this. God, use me however you want, wherever I am. That's it. That's it. And if the church of Jesus Christ would have that heart, we would change the world. Amen? And so Jesus says, listen, I want the church to stay awake. How do we do it? How do we do it? We're closing here. I love that Jesus doesn't say, all right, the way that you stay awake is just trying really hard. I'm talking to really spiritual people who can think about Jesus all day, 24-7, 365. So if you're real spiritual, you're going to be able to stay awake. But for the rest of us, sorry. Man, the worst thing you could do is hear a sermon like this and go out and try to do it. Do you hear what I said? The worst thing you could do is to go out and to try to do what I'm talking about on your own. I love that Jesus knows that I'm not talking to spiritual people here today. I love that Jesus knows that we're talking to normal people who do have the Spirit of God, but, but remember what he says to the disciples? The Spirit is willing, but the flesh what? It's weak. I can't do this on my own. I haven't mastered the art of staying awake. And neither of you. And we never will. God wants us to stay in dependence on him. Jesus actually explains this. Actually, in Luke's account of the Sermon on the Mount, we'll close right here. In Luke chapter 21, verses 34 through 36, listen to what Jesus says. But watch yourselves, lest your heart be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. Stop. Man, does that sound like you? Does that sound like you this morning? That your heart is just weighed down with worries of this world? And let's be honest, this is the way the Bible talks. You're just drunk on it. Just drunk on the world. And you walk in and we talk about God and we sing these songs and it's just weird. Because we're not thinking about these things the rest of the time. And Jesus says, listen, you got to watch out lest your heart get weighed down with things of this world. You become drunk on the world, inebriated, and it messes with your judgment and it messes with your decisions so that we're followers of Jesus. And every decision we make is so that we can get more money. And every decision we make is so we'll be more popular online. And every decision we make will die when we die and Jesus says man don't get drunk on the world or the cares of this life that day when it all ends will suddenly come on you like a trap it'll all come upon everyone on the face of the earth verse 36 stay awake at all times here's how you stay awake here it is whole sermon right here praying praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the son of man we can't try really hard to do what Jesus is telling us to do but you know what Jesus who is our good and loving Savior, has put His Spirit inside of us, and He hears the prayers of His people. And if our, and if, and if our prayer is to go to God and say, God, wake me up. God, help me to stay awake. I am telling you, based on the authority of the Word of God, that is a prayer that Jesus answers 100% of the time. If you need God to wake you up today, if you ask Him, He will. If you need God to put some urgency in your heart today, if you ask him, he will. If you need God to wake your family up, I believe if you ask him, he will. Jesus says, listen, don't go out and try hard. I want you to, I want you to seek me, depend on me, pray, and watch me keep you awake in this world. So would you pray with me? Let's bow our heads, close our eyes right now. Let's just pray. God, right now in this moment,
God, I just, I just feel the limit of human language. I feel the limit of human language because, because we can say things all day long, but the spirit is willing. It's the, it's the flesh, God, that's weak. It's the flesh that's weak. And I don't know what we came in here with from the week behind us or where our hearts are today, but God, I'm thankful that at the end of the day, the spirit is willing to wake up weak, cold, maybe even asleep hearts to the fact that at any single moment, the sky could be torn into and Jesus Christ could come back and interrupt our lives, melt away all of our fears, deal with all of our insecurities, and we would be with him and he would be with us forever. Could happen today. Could happen today. God, wake us up. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, if you're here and you just, that's your prayer today. Your prayer today is simply, God, I want you to wake me up. Raise your hand right now. That's your prayer. Raise your hand right now. God, I want you to wake me up. Raise it right now. Hands are going up all over the room. God, I want you to wake me up. I want you to wake me up. I want you to wake me up. If that's you, raise your hand right now. Wake me up. All over this room. Hands are going up. Go ahead and put those hands down. I just want to challenge everybody. Don't do this just because I'm asking. Do it if you're willing to respond to what God says. Ask him. Say, God, what do you want me to do? God, wake me up to what you want me to do. Maybe you need to be reminded, God, wake me up to what you've been given, what I've been given. But wake me up to the responsibility that I've got. As a dad, as a mom, as a husband, as a wife, as a son, as a daughter, at that job in my neighborhood, in this community. Wake me up to every single opportunity. Wake me up to every single gifting that you have given me. And Jesus, make me available. You know, maybe the thing that you need to do to get ready is you need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ for the very first time and you need to do it right here today. If you're here today, you're a dad, you're a mom, you're a son, you're a daughter. You strode in today on your own from the first time or you've been coming here for weeks and months and for some reason or another, you've just kind of been trying to shrug off Jesus' invitation to follow him. Today is the day of your salvation. Today, if you want to be saved, you can cry out to God and he will do it. And so I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time, being ready for the return of Christ starts right there, knowing him, knowing him, not knowing about him, having a relationship with him. If you don't know him, if you do not have a relationship with God, cry out to him for salvation right now. Say, how do I do that? I'm going to pray a prayer and I just invite you to pray this prayer with me. Pray this prayer with me right there where you're at. Say, dear Lord Jesus, Forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me today. I give my life to you right now. Be my Lord and my Savior. Help me to follow you and live for you starting right now. Thank you for saving me and for loving me. Thank you for bringing me here to this moment. In your name. Amen. No one is looking around. No eyes are open or anything. But being ready for the return of Christ starts with having a relationship with Christ. If today you prayed the prayer, that prayer just now to give your life to Jesus, to be saved for the very first time, would you just raise your hand right now to indicate, say, Mark, I prayed to get saved today. I want to be ready for when Jesus comes back. And Mark, I'm not saved. I want to be saved right now. Raise your hand if that's you. Do it right now. No matter where you're at, front to back, just raise your hand high if that's you. Anybody? Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you. Jesus, you have told us this. You didn't leave this unannounced. You are coming back. And you are coming back for your people. And so God, as we walk away from this series, don't let this series walk away from us. That we would live bold lives, that we would lay our lives down no matter what persecution or what might come. Jesus, we would be ready and we would be ready by staying awake. Staying awake. That's our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, let's praise God. Let's give God thanks for all that he's done for us in our lives. And here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. Every, every Sunday at this time, we ask everybody, go ahead and grab your connection cards that are in your chair. Everybody does this, so go ahead and grab those connection cards. 
And what we do with these cards is we pray over these. So any prayer requests that you have, may, a lot of people raised their hand a moment ago to say, Mark, I pray that God would wake me up. Hey, if you raise your hand to that, why don't you write on that card while you raise your hand so that we can pray for you, all right? Write any prayer requests you have, any decisions that you made today. If you want to be baptized, you want to begin to use your gifts or find out what your gifts are, a great way to do that is to begin to serve in church. Check on the back of the card that you want to volunteer or you've given your life to Christ. Let us know what God did in your life today. In just a moment, the offering baskets are going to go around. You can drop those cards in there. And this is just a great way for us to know who's here. Today, we always follow up with who's here, who who didn't we get a card from, and we reach out to them, make sure that they're okay. But, But just go ahead and fill those cards out and any preparation you need to make for the offering, you can go ahead and begin to do that. Hey, I want to ask our ushers to go ahead and come down. So our men and women who are going to help receive our offering today, you guys can come and get in place. Everybody's making preparations for our offering, filling out those cards. Hey, I want to say something before I pray we receive the offering, all right? I want to say something real quick. Um, Man, every single week, Every single week for the past couple of months, more and more people have stepped up uh, for the provision of our building, and we're just continuing to see that. And I want to thank everybody that's given. Uh, But I do want to say something here really quick. The very first Sunday that we announced, just trying to have a real push uh, for the finalization of our building, we had somebody come up and donate a car. And that car is parked out there, all right? Uh, You can talk to people about it today. Um, If you want to buy it, buy it. In Jesus' name, buy it, all right? If you found a million dollars under your couch this week and you want to like to donate all of that, in Jesus' name, we receive that. Praise the Lord for you, all right? But that car is out there. So look, at a lot of people ask that, that car. That's that car out there. Look at it, check it out. Um, but I just want to thank our church for, for, for the way that you've stepped up in a massive amount of generosity and just continuing to do that. Um, and uh, so I just want to thank you for that. Hey, I'm gonna pray. And uh, our band's going to play us out. So after I'm done praying, uh, we're all going to stand and, uh, and sing and give. And then the band's going to dismiss you. So let's all go ahead and stand for prayer. Love to meet you today at the welcome table after church today. If I've never met you, you're new here today. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you that Jesus calls us to stay awake. Thank you that Jesus came to us today and he told us to wake up. I thank you that, that Jesus, we might have come in here with kind of heavy hearts and kind of everything in our lives was about just stuff going on in our lives. And, and those things all matter. But Jesus, you are saying, hey, listen, bring those things to me. But no, that stuff's not going to last forever. We're, we're going to be with you forever in eternity. Jesus, you're going to come back. And so you're calling us to wake up today. Help us to live awake. We can't do it on our own. We've got to have your help and your power to do it. God, thank you for everybody that's giving here right now. Pray you be glorified glorified in the gift and the giver. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship, let's give, and our band will dismiss us in a moment.
said he 